While the United States' population accounts for roughly 5% of the overall world population, 25% or one out of every four imprisoned peoples in the world is behind bars in the U.S. Our industrial prison complex needs a 180 degree change with compassionate policy that understands and embodies the idea of people over profit. However, politics can often take a while. And so what are the ways we can support this population today? To help answer this, I sit down with Leah Gooch, whose program Agitated to Elevated is transforming lives for the better. Her program uses a mix of yoga, meditation, and creative writing to help prisoners look within to find answers, inner peace, and self-awareness. If we can't change the prison system tomorrow with policy aimed at a larger structural shift, let's focus on what we can do today. I'm Jarrett Carpenter, and this is Why Find Water. All right, I am here with Leah Gooch. Leah, welcome to Why Fine Water. What's going on? I'm happy to be here. <laughs> happy to be here. I like how you're the first person that's had like that much energy out the gate as if it were like, <laughs> I don't know, like a local bar. Hey, happy to be here. This is the closest to a local bar I've been in in like a long time. This is it. This is what we have now, getting drunk on Zoom with people we know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. Like friends that started podcasts, we're like, dude, I've been telling you to do this for years. Exactly. Exactly. So (laughs) Leah is here and I'm so happy to have Leah on the podcast today because I think what she's doing, and I tell her this all the time, so she's probably just like, oh, stop, stop saying that. But what Leah is doing is a game changer. Leah is working within the prison systems of the United States and within the confines of what that looks like. She is finding ways to help people who are in the system, inmates, prisoners, I'm not sure like what the exact best nomenclature would be, really connect with themselves. And do you want to, do you want to give your, your elevator pitch and then we can kind of go from there? This class that I teach is what helped me go through my own trauma. And so it came about by doing it myself and realizing how how hurting this prison system is and especially the youth who I've taken a um, particular interest in working in with is teenagers who are incarcerated um, because I think that around that age is really challenging for everyone and I was fortunate enough to have really supportive parents who were very present and um, I had a lot of this support that I needed in all different ways during a time that was really challenging for me. And so if I didn't, I would not be where I am right now. And that, that was such a hard time. So I look at these, these teenagers that are incarcerated and think like, Oh my God, if you were, if you had the resources that I had when I was your age, you wouldn't be here. And not to mention the whole system working again stacked against kids that are black and brown, which is the highest percentage of the makeup in uh, prisons. So that's like a bigger systematic problem. Yeah. And when you say just just so I can also understand, you know, when you say teenagers, are we talking like, you know, teenagers are 13 to 19 are we going any younger than that? Because sometimes we'll say teenagers to an 11 or 12 year old because it's like, we just throw them in there. And they're you know, acting grown. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the idea of youth changes among every culture it sees youth, the idea of quote youth, I'm like doing bunny ears as different. And when I was in Guatemala, youth was up to a certain, you know, age. When I was in Colombia, youth is up to a certain age. When I was in Argentina, working in the Vigas, youth was up to a certain age. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think we say youth and teenagers and those type of things in the same sentence. And so what is the exact age that you were working on or working with when you're, when you're saying that? 16, 17, 18. That's really the the age group. Yeah. So, and the laws have shifted or changed in New York state. So they're not the 16 and 17 year olds aren't being charged as 18 year olds, which was the case. New York was one of the few States that still had that law in effect, which has since changed. And so now, Teenagers that are incarcerated are not no longer in the Department of Corrections, but in OCFS, which is the Office of Family and Child Services. So there's a lot more nurturing sort of elements that go into the programming to help rehabilitate them. So, so 16, 17, and 18. And how many 
of these 16, 17, 18 year olds, will you be working with at one time? And I assume that you may also be working among different prisons. You may, mm-hmm. you know, do a class here, do a class there. How many total, like what, what does that look like? Well, I've, over the course of the last uh, four years, I've been in three different facilities and I'm looking into branching into more. And so, and I currently work with adults in a facility and have, um, but I've worked with teenagers for the last few years. And the, the way that I do what I do is I teach this class that combines yoga, meditation, and creative writing. And so there's the spiritual in each human, there's our spiritual side, our emotional side, mental and physical. And so the, the yoga helps connect to the physical. And so that's sort of the movement that allows you to get into your body, feel grounded, feel safe. And then there's meditation, which is witnessing your thoughts and realizing that we're not our thoughts, but we're observing them. So we can sort of detach from being so hooked on to the narratives that we create around that, that essentially create our reality. So letting go of some of that and to be to, it's like, okay, well, this is what it was before and this is what happened. So how can I change how can I change these things around me and writing, which is really important. And so you're doing the yoga and I only in the last year really started to do yoga. I think before that I was like many people, we don't start things because we're worried about how we look or worried about how how we're going to feel. And so much of what we don't do in this world, unfortunately is driven by shame from society when really you can kind of do whatever you want in life. And people are just going to be like, all right, he or she's doing that, or they're doing that. I remember this, this meme that after I started doing yoga, I finally understood. And it was like, no matter what your problems are from your day to day, your job, your relationships, your family, those are like the three things that give people the most stress. Mm -hmm. It was like, no matter what your problems are after you've been on the mat for like your third movement, it all just like disappears. And mm-hmm. that was something I totally resonated with me because once I was getting better with yoga, you, you know, feeling more confident on the mat, understanding the movements, finally able to like focus on my breath work, which I think is a step in yoga when you're not just like, oh my God, I didn't even know I had that muscle. I didn't even know I could like move that way. So do you see that? Were you able to see that with the students uh, in your class that a light would literally hit? Because for me, it was a light. I was in a class once and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, I get it. I get why everyone's so jazzed about yoga. How has that been taking 16, 17, 18 year olds who probably never thought that they would do yoga and say, all right, we're going to get on a mat. What does that look like? It's magical. It is, it is unbelievable to see these classes and see them evolve in them because they're, what I'm doing is helping them strengthen their mind. And so that's, these are all just tools to be able to connect deeper with themselves and their inner voice that they've had since they were little. And that's what I tell them is like, you have all the answers inside of you. I don't know what you need to write. I don't know what you need to do next. I don't know these answers, but you do. And so I want to help you uncover and, and let go of these traumas and work through the trauma, recognize it, which is held in your body. So even some of the things that they've gone through that they can't even Uh, consciously remember it's held subconsciously in their body and so yoga will bring some of that stuff out and they'll feel it and it's not always you know rainbows and unicorns of like this is amazing but the there is pain that comes up and discomfort but then there's this moment of realizing but I'm safe I'm in this classroom I'm on this mat I'm right here and they're being guided you know I'm encouraging them when to you know to breathe and, and I'm just reminding them to breathe so that they can activate their parasympathetic nervous system, relax, and then notice those thoughts that come by, that they're going to come and they're going to go, those memories are going to come and go, and that they're strong enough to witness it and feel it, and then let it go and and live through it again. And they don't have, they're not, um, they're not being, they don't have access to reaching for distractions. They don't have their cell phones. They don't have, they can't drink, they can't smoke. So it's kind of this like perfect storm to be able to do this work. It is the most rewarding place to do this work. And it's the most inspiring for me because it is scary. It's scary for anyone to go to a yoga class and like deal with their, whatever comes up. It's scary. It's uncomfortable to sit and meditate and just witness and be like, all right, this is me. I'm in this. Like, this is the one thing I got is, you know, 
And so to watch these teenagers come out of their comfort zone and, you know, they come into the class and I, I ease them into it. It's not like we, you know, go right into sun salutations. It starts with an envelope that has inspirational quotations. They choose a quote out of the envelope. There's no backseas the second time. If you want to put that one back, fine, but there's no backseas. Like, you know, you got to like, if you don't like the quote, I want you to talk about why you don't like the quote. And so then they have journals and they can free write. So they free write. So they have something that they can do as an option. So they can talk to each other a bit in the beginning, but then they can actually write and start journaling and getting all of these thoughts that are in the sort of the surface of their mind often into paper. And this is all like stuff I've learned how to do from different resources. There's a book called uh, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, who talks about artists, um, the artist pages. So what happens is when they start writing, they start getting down into they kind of uncover the surface level stuff and then get down to the deeper things. And at the end of them writing for about two pages in their journal, I asked them to write three things they're grateful for. So no matter what happened in the writing, the last three things that they have written down are those things they're grateful for. So then we go around in a circle and there's usually about eight, you know, four to 10 people in the class. I find the magic numbers around eight, sort of that's like the, the number of personalities that sort of usually work where it still feels safe and not sort of like too many, because it's also pretty personal work that we're doing. So I want to maintain that container so that it's sort of energetically held. And so after they write, we talk, so they can go around, they can read their quote, they can read a couple sentences from their writing, they can talk about their writing, they can talk about what they're grateful for. It's sort of, they have the option of all these different things. So right off from the bat, they have like six things as material to share with each other. And whoever it is, like we all want to be heard. We want to be seen and, you know, recognized. So they do that. And after the writing is usually we do the movement. It's like ready to kind of shake it off. And so the yoga can also turn into, it can go from like a guided meditation to the movement. And then, and then, you know, and then when I read the room, like if there's energy that is not being, sort of let go. It's like, all right, now let's just do 20, you know, let's do as many pushups as you can. And then when they just gets real silent, real quick and everyone's busting out like, you know, 20, 30 pushups. Like, I'll tell you, I do more pushups now than I ever have in my life. What does that look like? How many, how many pushups are you getting up to? I can do 30 to 40 in a clip. My ch- like, I don't go all the way down, but like I, and I only could do this because of working in a facility and, and working with these guys where it's just like, all right, let's just do push-ups. Like, let's, you know, this is what they, you know, they do this in their own space. So it's like kind of their world also. And it's cool. And yeah, so it's, so then we do our push-ups, we continue doing the yoga and then there's this relaxing uh, session at the end of the yoga, much more like uh, longer poses held. It's more of a yin yoga segment, which is that it's awesome yoga. It's like that fascia is released and stretched. Yeah, yin yoga is the shit. That's what I was going to ask you. I was like thinking what types of yoga, because now I understand a little bit, you know, yin and the different forms. And yin is obviously super magical. You can do yin almost any time and you're going to get a lot of benefit mm-hmm. from it. Emotionally also, because of the, the way the stretches are. And it's not like, it's not so quick. And it's, you're not there necessarily for a physical workout as you are for like a realigning of the emotional and the physical and the mm-hmm. mental. And so that was going to be my question. What types of yoga do you use or do you kind of read the room and say, all right, we're going to, we're going to do completely. We're not going to do yin today. We're going to do a different style of yoga. That's going to be a little bit more up with the level of where people are. I'm feeling more energy in the room. Cause it's kind of like, I don't know. And I'm not a yoga instructor at all, but I feel like it's must be like being a DJ, you know, a good DJ can read the room and then say, mm, we're going to pivot to this song. Cause we need to take it down a bit or we're going to step it up. Or sometimes the hardest thing is just keeping it the same, but continuing to maintain whatever the vibe is. And yeah. so is it the same, right? You must yeah. like, and then you get the vibe and you're like, Oh, this is going so well. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I don't want to do this right now. I'm like, okay. So like, let's do this different pose. That's, and they're different. Like some kids like to do these balancing poses that are like really challenging. You know, it depends on also what they, some of them have done some little bit of yoga, maybe another facilities they've been in or community centers some of them have done it in school a couple of them had done it in school but yeah exactly I read the room and they 
they tr- they'll they'll do it like they'll give it a go and they'll try it if it makes them feel uncomfortable they'll get out of it you know they'll, they'll adjust their body and I have like I'm sensitive I'm trauma sensitive yoga we're in a circle everyone can see each other they're you know my back is facing the door no one's back is facing the door everyone's back is facing a wall like there's space in um, the prison yoga project offers like a weekend long training for teachers that are already yoga teachers, but just particularly for trauma sensitive yoga, um, which is an ongoing like study for myself to, to be sensitive to, like you said, the way you say things, how important language is and everyone's different. I mean, I had, there's a bell that I had used at one point and then uh, I used it in front of one somebody and they were like, yo, that shit is like, that's PTSD. Like I can't, and I'm literally having, he got up off the mat and put his shoes on. I was like, okay, so we're going to lose the bell. We're not going to do the bell anymore. <laughs> like that's cut. So it, it's, it's hit or, it, you know, it's like tr- trying things out and seeing and being open to what needs to be adjusted. Do you know if the students continue to do their practice when you're not there, if they're in their, you know, in their cells, in their rooms, in their confinements, do they continue to do their practice? Do they tell you some about them, that? What does that look like? Do. Some of them do. One of them said he walked by their room and was like, saw him doing a warrior three pose, which is standing on one leg. One leg is out back behind. Your arms are reaching either forward or out. He was like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm doing yoga. So the, some of them do continue it because some of them, they're just naturals and they, they do it a class. They do it once or twice. And they're just like, oh my God, this is it this is what I was looking for, you know, just like you, you know, you discovered that like click those light bulb, you know, once the light bulb goes off, you can't unsee what you just experienced or saw. So those are the kids that keep doing it. Yeah. It's kind of like you're a runner. Once you get runners high, that's it. And people will be like, I don't know how you run eight miles, five miles in the heat, in the cold. But those are the people that have just never had like that click if it's yoga or just like hit runner's high. Because once you've hit runner's high, it's really hard to, you know, when the endorphins are flowing and it's a very similar feeling with yoga, when you're really finding presence and balance and 100% focus on just this is what's in front of me. It's the road or if it's the mat. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really hard, obviously, to describe that to other people. But it's how and, and how often do you meet with the students? So you've got 16, 17, 18 year olds. And, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to like build it in my mind what it looks like. And you have about four to 10, you're saying sweet spot of eight. How often do you meet with them? And then how long is the like semester? I run it as an eight week cycle. So it's two months. That's kind of the, the, a nice way of me getting through the whole curriculum. Cause there's a lot of, there's some, a lot of writing exercises Um, So I do like that free writing, but then there's also after the yoga, then there's a meditation and then there's a writing exercise. So that it's almost like the yoga helps get access to this creative flow and sort of expedites the process of them being able to comfortably be vulnerable, which is when they actually do the creation of the writing. That's incredible. And like, that's the stuff that it's like the good, it's like the good stuff that comes out during the last 20 minutes of class. What are the prompts? Actually, before, before I go there, I was really interested when you talked about how you have the envelopes and then there's no backseas when you pass it around. Mm-hmm. What kind of quotes are you putting in there? Are you taking them from like Gandhi to Tupac to like Bill That's Gates? Good. Are you basically just, you know, people who <laughs> they've, they've of heard it. of? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I did a phase of doing a lot like Rumi, Einstein, J. Cole, Kendrick. It, it depends on like, you know, I've got a little Brene Brown, like, you know, in the beginning we talk about vulnerability and courage, and then we get into, I guess, like fear and love. And then there's, you know, the, the classic inspirational quotes and like empathy. So we, I do a whole kind of few weeks on uh, personification to help teach empathy. So I use Jimi Hendrix, Bold as Love, where he personifies colors for like all of the different characters. So I like cut up lyrics and I've been doing a lesson with this song ever since I was like teaching art, but I use it and I, I cut up the lyrics. So then each of them get, each of the students get a, uh, one of the colors and then they sort of dwell on that and kind of figure out what that's about. And then we, they get the full lyrics to the song. We listen to the song and then do a, a exercise. 
inspired by that movie with Will Smith, Collateral Beauty. Collateral Beauty. Which one's this one? He ta- he ends up he's I think his daughter passes away, and then he writes a letter to like love, death, fear, and then all of these characters come to him, and so all these different actors play. Right. Okay. I've seen this. I've seen this. Is this the one where he gives all the organs to different people? No, that's not, that's, that's one of the best movies that he did. I think, um, that is the seven pounds, the seven pounds, that <laughs> seven one. pounds. That was great. This one is weird. It, like it wasn't a big, a big blockbuster hit, but if you watch the trailer, you can easily see like, basically he has this loss and then he writes a letter to like death to love and, and all these characters like Ed Norton shows up. I forget which one he is. And is he death. He probably should be. I'm I feel like he could just show up. I don't he'd be know. So I mean, good. He'd be so good at that. <laughs> ever since the Italian job, I'm just like, that dude's a snake. So <laughs> like Italian job and then what's it? American History X. I can oh, just, yeah. he has like a dark, he can play a darker character. Absolutely. Well, he has yeah, like that. Be. Yeah. I forget now. But so I have it that the students take, um, pick out of an envelope. To, there's one envelope that has, you know, all the options. It's like write a letter from death to love. So then they write a letter to fucking dear love and then like write this whole letter to death. And no then they way. write letters. It's the coolest. And, the, and it's like they figure these things out because they, they're they able to like separate themselves from these big, big ideas. And, and because you, they're separated and they're not, it's not so stuck to them, they can have more sort of freedom and be able to express how they really feel about it. And so they write these incredible letters to death. Then they write letters from themselves to death, to love, to fear, to courage, you know? Do they choose interesting mediums in a way to express it? Is it just all written? Is it some letter? Is there like poetry? Is it like a haiku? Is it, hey, you know what, Leah? I couldn't do this, but I wrote down 10 words that I would love, love to know about death or death to know about love. Like, I'm just thinking that's such a, you know, the most difficult, I'm fine in life, the most difficult, I'm also a soccer fan and like soccer super simple, right? You have 11 guys, you can't use your hands, you put it in the other goal. But the things that are most simple in life also are the most complicated, just because we humans complicate them. Like basketball, (laughs) you just dribble and you put it in the hoop, but we make it so difficult. And so uh, this is so simple. I'm assuming that as humans, we'll complicate it and we'll make it deeper than it is. And in order sometimes, in order to, to then express ourselves in something that's really tough. This is where art comes in. And so using words as art to be able to make the connection, hey, love, this is death, this is what's good. So what is that, what are the, what are the more creative ways that you've seen students try to, try to make those connections? I've seen rappers come out of retirement. <laughs> rappers, are they retiring at 17? Yeah, they're, you know, like the older, I worked in a jail and there was some guy that was like, I knew he had it in him and he used to rap, but wouldn't, wouldn't write poetry. And then at the last day, I brought bars. So I started writing poetry because you I was brought inspired. bars. Yeah, dude, Yo, I in the cipher. bars. <laughs> <laughs> because, and it all started because the first class at, at a jail I was working at with uh, adults, it was eight adults. And it was the first time I was teaching this class. And I came in as a creative writing teacher and I just put in, added in the yoga and meditation into the class. And I was like, oh, this is it. The star is born. This is the class. It combines all three elements. And so one of the days I was collecting assignments and it, a lot of essays that were, I was having them write. And they were adults and they were super eager and to participate and like kind of have some structure and something that was consistent. I was coming in, I think twice a week I was coming in then. That's usually like, I like coming in twice a week. That's usually the best kind of consistency so that there is frequency, but also time. So twice a week for eight, eight weeks. weeks and how long is each session? About an hour and a half. About an hour, 90 minutes. Okay, cool. Yeah, 90 minutes. So I was in the jail and I'm looking, I'm collecting assignments and I'm looking at this one student like, you didn't do it? Because it was one that you, you usually always did right. And he's like, uh, I wrote a poem or rap instead. I was like, let's hear it. So he performed it. It was awesome. And so when I was giving feedback to all of their essays for his, I thought, well, I'm not going to write in, you know, regular back to you. I'm going to write it in a poem form. 
So literally ever since then, I mean, I have pages and pages of these, of these, of these wraps I've written. And for each class, all of these eight week cycles, my like final sort of during the last week or so is when I have a polished poem wrap that goes through each one of them and then talks about each one of them and like kind of sheds light on what I've seen in the growth. And I mean, I've had, I've done it with the women, the, the guys don't usually cry, but a lot of the females, they'll definitely, they, you know, get teary eyed. It's, it's magical. So you go, are we talking about, um, you have a co-ed class or are you going to a, you know, a women's prison and then you go to a men's prison? The prisons have both. So like in the jail, okay, when cool. I was in the jail, it was like the women's pod and then the male pod. Okay. So I would go into both and sort of cycle around do like eight weeks in the, with the women and then eight weeks with the, the males. What's, so, the, what's yeah. the reception to that when you just come out, drop bars and you add everyone in the circle in there? Oh, it's incredible. They're just like, oh my God. And I call them out on their, the shit that they've done that I'm like, I see you. Like I know, like I see the struggle and like I, I see and then I like highlight the things that they've been working on and trying to get through. And so the more honest they are in the class and the more writing I get of theirs and the more like I get to know them, the, the more details I can sort of provide in terms of my feedback. So you're a Cole fan. This is a hard pivot. Oh, I love Cole. So you're a Cole fan. Do mm-hmm. you talk music with them? And like, does you being a good Cole <laughs> fan, because Cole is kind of, Cole is what, 35, 36 now. And so for 16, 17, 18 year old kid, they just are listening to like Juice World or Travis Scott, or something Little different. Baby. Little baby and pop smoke. Little it's- baby, exactly. Is J. Cole like an old head to them? Or is he still relevant? Because the stuff that he says, honestly, most of it, not most of it, but he does channel a good amount of his lyrics in the last couple albums to younger men. Yeah. Uh, to, younger, awesome. to the younger generation, younger men. And so like, when you're like, oh, I listen to Cole, is that an old head comment or are you still like being relevant on the music scene? Mm, they're like, kind of like my mom listens to him, you know? Really? I mean, pretty much. <laughs> I put on Kendrick one time and one kid goes, what is this, kids pop? <laughs> no way. Yeah. It's so fascinating how music, it's just, I, yeah. I was, yeah, I was a coach um, for the last two seasons, not this season because COVID. I've been assistant coaching at a college soccer team and all of the kids on the soccer team, you know, 18 to 22, but they all know who Cole is and Cole's cool. But I think Cole is kind of like the way when I grew up and you grew up, Cole is like Tupac or Biggie. It's old school. It's like, that's like white hair rap. Like that is some real, that's real stuff. Maybe we're not ready for that. Emotionally. We just want to hear something with like a trap beat and something that's going to, I don't know, not get so deep on it because Cole gets deep. And yeah. so, yeah, I just wondered, like, if you talk about Cole in there, because he has had some lyrics in the last couple albums that, you know, and the other thing is Cole's underground, right? Cole will have one or two songs that will make the radio, but normally most of his albums, he doesn't really make the radio. Kendrick's a little bit more, and Kendrick's admitted that he's tried to write and produce a little bit more to the masses than, mm-hmm. say, he did on his earlier mixtape. So I was just wondering if that is something that would, you know, you would resonate, but it sounds like you're listening to their mom's music, Leah. <laughs> yeah, and I listen to the newer stuff too because of them. Like Little Baby, I got into. I listen to Little Baby now. I listen to Dub Baby. I listen to Pop Smoke a little bit. So I listen to their stuff too to like, and I and I it grows on me. At first, I'm like, what is this? Um, but then I get to you know, a boogie with a hoodie. I learned about that when I was working in Juvie Center. You know, five years, four years ago, when five years ago when he was just coming out with his music. And now I like, I like his stuff. Um, but I use, we sort of meet in the middle. I use lyrics too. Lyrics is a big part of writing assignments. Um, I use J Cole lyrics. I use Kendrick. So we, I use songs and then break down lyrics, talk about them and use like the themes to facilitate discussion and encourage them to explore these ideas. And the other thing I do, which is a really easy sort of thing for, I think teacher, like, just in general, I Googled like the top hundred college admission essay questions. So I have stacks of these lyrics of these songs that they like for the most part that are thematic, that are some, that there's some sort of like theme that's connected also to a college admission essay question. So at the bottom of the lyrics, I wrote like, this is a challenge for you. Should you accept? 
And essentially it's a college admission essay question. Can you give me an example? Let me think of one that was recently done. Thinking about a challenging, something to the effect of what was something that you uh, faced that was a challenge that you then were able to learn from and like evolved. And what are, what's the typical response or not a typical response, but what's, yeah. I mean, if you work with a bunch of students, is there something that keeps coming up for them? You know, there's just like, oh, this time that I did this, I learned this. There's always a, if you get down to it, there's usually like one point, like a breaking point. Like there was a, not a breaking point. There's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of little things, but there was a point where there was like a very two distinct paths. And I've heard stories about like one, you know, one student, he was, his mom had passed away. He was really young. His mom passed away and he was on the school bus and he, some girl was being mean to him and he called her a bitch and might've pushed her, but got kicked off the bus. He wasn't allowed to go on the bus anymore. And so his dad, who is now fathering these two, two or three kids by himself, his wife had just passed away, was now driving this, his kid back and forth to school. And it added a massive layer of stress onto the father. And then therefore that was pushed onto this kid who was in elementary school at this point. And so that's when he started, he said that's when he started being bad in school. So there's usually, you can get down to like these sort of, traumatic things that happened as being a catalyst for a change behavior because it was like survival. Right. It was like a fight or flight situation. And then there maybe wasn't the support needed to be able to kind of navigate that. And so 90 minute session, I come in, is it broken up 30, 30, 30, like yoga, meditation, creative writing, or do you also just DJ it? Like we're actually going to do yeah. yoga for 45 and we're going to do creative writing for five. And you have a five, you have a 300 second assignment where you have to, what is that? You know? And I think within that, I'm so impressed what you're doing because I don't think many people are doing it and combining all of these things. You said there's yoga for mm-hmm. prisons or yoga in prisons, whatever that is. And I'm sure yep. that that's more of like a national programmatic structure of curriculum. Is anyone else doing what you're doing currently? <laughs> I have been searching. There is, there um, was one person I found in the Midwest. I like did deep dive through the internet, combing it. Cause I, once I figured this out, I was like, there's gotta be other people that are doing this. And there's a group in uh, California that do art and yoga for like uh, teenage girls that they seem great. And so I spoke to them and they're like, well, this, what you're doing sounds awesome. We're not doing exactly that, but like you should just start a nonprofit and make this happen. But I can't find anyone else who's doing that's really combining all those elements together. It is like a magical, it's crazy how effective it is. And I've had people come into the classroom just being like, oh, shit. Like this, seeing them like this is kind of weird because what happens is they change and it's, it's like it's like giving them all medication. All of a sudden they feel safe. They're relaxed from the yoga. They're meditating. Their mind is a little bit blown. It's like we get into some heady stuff that they didn't have the luxury of thinking through when they're constantly in fight or flight. So you can't get creative. You can't use that prefrontal cortex when you're constantly on edge and you have to make sure that you can run at any point. But in this moment, in this class, within this 90 minutes, they feel they can get to a feeling of being pretty safe. And it's beautiful to have that feeling and emotion with other people in the facility that also might not be the the people that you usually get along with, which is one of the feedback I've gotten in the past. It's like that class helped me understand different things that I I didn't get about the other people that are in the prison or the jail. So once they get that, that, that creativity and that, and that front part of their brain, like they have the luxury of thinking through these ideas and bigger ideas and exploring and like being able to go on these kind of creative tangents and then producing something, whether it's a rap, a, a, an essay, a story, a conversation with somebody that they've never had, that's like a higher vibration, which is also the other person is at a higher vibration. The result is like really healthy conversation and connection. And that's what we all want. And yeah, and the reason why I asked you about whether other people are doing it, what that looks like, is because for me, when I hear about the work you're doing and you're like, yeah, it's really, I'm combing the internet. Like, 
if something's out there that's happening somewhere, you won't have to comb the internet. The internet will give you the answer, you know, like yeah. the algorithms on the internet are really strong. If you're into like breeding squirrels and you're in Montana, <laughs> you can type in breeding squirrels, Montana. I wonder if people <laughs> are doing this and something will come up. There'll be yeah. like some dude, Bill is like, yeah, I got the best squirrels guy. Come over and look at these squirrels. <laughs> so it's like the internet will tell you. So that's really surprising. And I just started to think, even as we were talking now, do you have a name for this? And the only reason why I ask, and you do, which is great. And the only reason why I ask is it's like Bruce Lee, martial artist, you know, he probably makes your quote book because he says yes, crazy he things and yes, not does. crazy things, but things that like are just so obvious, but we don't think about, right? Because we like to complicate things. And he obviously, you know, he came up with his own martial art because he kind of looked around and he's like, the world is this way. And I think it could be better if I add this. So he literally came up with his own martial art. Obviously he was rejected by many people in Asia, especially China, I believe where he was from. Cause they were like, that's not a real martial arts. It's not a real martial art. He was always tested. And he was like, this is a real martial art. Take me seriously. And so he, you know, he added so much value to the martial art by literally seeing what the system was saying, okay, let me take a little bit here, here, and here, mix it together. And now I've created something that is great for anybody who wants to try it. And that's kind of what I feel like you're doing it because it's like you're in the prison system, which is literally rigid, both metaphorically and physically with the walls of concrete and rebar. And our justice system needs so much love and so much reform and so much empathy from a policy level. But if we can't do that, you're kind of like a Bruce Lee in a sense that you show up, you're like, all right, well, I can put this, this, and this together. And I'll really add value for people that are stuck in this system. And so- What's the name of your system program? My program, it's called Agitated to Elevated. Agitated to Elevated. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it. What's the future for Agitated to Elevated? Is it like do a nonprofit, but then that's mad stressful because then you have to sign up all this stuff and then you need a board and all this stuff? Or is it social enterprise? What does the business side of it or how are you going to structure it to hopefully be able to replicate it beyond what you're physically able to do with your 90 minute sessions, two times a week at an eight week cycle. So I'm in the process now of working with docs to see how this can fit into some curriculum out in other prisons. So especially with um, veterans who struggle a lot from PTSD, which yoga is proven to be one of the most incredible, like helpful things for PTSD so that I'm in the process of that kind of negotiating that right now. Um, also wanting to help share this work with correctional officers because they're in there too. And so if they can be helped and healed, they've been through their own traumas. And so how can we, and, and when I'm in touch with people in Norway and the Netherlands who have incredible um, systems that have super low recidivism rates and, They've said, like, yes, you got to train your your security staff to be able to work through this stuff and their own stuff so that they can be able to help other people, not hurt people. What do the sessions look like with the COs? That's I've only I've done some already, uh, like yoga classes with COs, and that incorporates some of the motivational quotes and inspirational quotes, but not like full on structured classes, which is what I'm in the middle of designing right now to like a pilot program to, to, to do that with them. So that's what I'm in the process of working on now. And I'm also starting next week, a class for teenagers up in New York state that are not incarcerated, but that are around and looking for ways to connect to themselves and others. So these teenagers are invited to come to a stadium and will be outside, you know, six feet apart and do this class, yoga, meditation, and writing. Because of COVID, you just mentioned that was something I've been thinking about. I assume you're still going into the prisons. You're just masking up and you're taking precautions and maybe they're giving you new spaces for which to do mm-hmm. programming. Exactly. That's kind of just how that goes. There's no really, yeah, kind of got to play the way it is, right? Yep. We're in a big gym, six feet apart, masks on, you know, hand sanitizer, the whole nine yards. But, uh, and for a while I was going in, but not um, teaching my class because it was just too, in the beginning, it was too, like, we were just outside. So what I would do is I we, we um, do a group meditation. So before they would go and have their rec hour, we would, we would circle up and meditate 
And so not everyone will participate, but that was something that I found to be, and that they found to be really helpful. So it was just like a literally like for a minute and a half, two minutes of getting in a circle, short guided meditation, and then just being aware of our breath, thoughts coming in, you know, coming and going before going out to, to play in the yard. Do these bonds, I'm assuming bonds are created amongst the students as they go through this eight week cycle. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that they continue outside of, you know, agitated to elevated 90 minute sessions? And I asked that because when I was a senior in high school, you could have chosen to go on this like leadership institute. It was a four or five day thing. You went out essentially to do all like things that are similar to trust falls, you know, where you're doing high ropes courses and stuff like that. And of the 340 to 380 seniors that I graduated with from high school, I'd say 90, 90 guys decided to do it. I went to an all guys high school. Mm -hmm. And I remember throughout the rest of senior year, having a deeper connection and bond with those guys and guys I didn't really know that well, but then I'd see them around campus and I would have like this connection to that experience, right? Whenever you experience something with some, with people, whatever that is, if you're stuck on a boat for six hours, if mm-hmm. you're stuck in an elevator, it's something that I think is going to happen in the world once we get past COVID and we all have a little bit more room and space and like love and maybe empathy for the situation. And we also take things less for granted. I assume that the students who come in and they spend, you know, all the time in agitated to elevated, they must create bonds that will last and be strengthened and, you know, make their time as they're doing time more enjoyable because it's what we're all looking for in life, no matter what it is. It's just community. We're all trying to find a place where we can be ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I see it. They, I mean, yeah, they do connect with each other and they help keep, they're like, you know, they're like, are you right? Like, are you writing? Are you writing for class? You know, like they want to, they want to hear each other's stuff. And some, you know, some of them are really, really talented. Like they're smart. I mean, they're not, they're, they're not, yeah, they're very smart. And so they're producing some quality content. So despite the fact that teenage, you know, kids could be like, ah, you know, I don't want to like flatter anyone too much. Um, There is a, a, a sincere curiosity about what's being created. Also like the comedy is incredible because that's how you kind of get attention and that's how you sort of earn some respect. So the level of like in wit is, is high. The level um, of wit I, amongst yeah. high school kids is always high. <laughs> yeah. Like it's nonstop. But I was at it when I was at the jail, there was one guy who said like, yeah, you know, we kind of now stick together. Even when, when you're not here, like we're kind of, we stick together. Because what happens is that what I'm trying to do in these classrooms is create, is sort of open up, help them open up their own hearts, their own minds. And then they're on this higher, like elevate their vibration so that they're sort of operating at like their best self. And then they connect and they communicate with each other at their best self. So there's like a hundred percent on. And so they create these bonds under that circumstance. And naturally when they see each other outside of that, they sort of like button up a little bit and it's like, well, that's who they're talking to. So it's like, that's who they want to be. Right. That makes sense. And they have similar language to be able to relate to one another on a different and potentially deeper spiritual level. You know, like many personal development, spiritual development things, you can do it twice because when you do it again, you may see completely new things. When you go on a journey and you go, you know, year after year camping to the same place, every single time it's different. It's like how you never step into the same river twice because the river is different and you're different. So can a student do, you know, agitate to elevate it again, or is there like level two? Now that you've graduated level one, we can do level two. How does that work? I haven't yet developed the different levels in an ideal world. I'd love to have like also like manuals for them to sort of pull their small groups. Cause like once you sort of are living it and doing it and like, I can, you know, help you figure out how to facilitate it. Like I sort of have this idea of eventually training students to be able to facilitate small groups because some of them have done parts of this already and then they get it. I mean, and they're, they're ready. 
because they want to teach too. Like they, they want to learn, they want to teach, they want to do well. They want to be like, do good and, and teach others and share that growth with other people and see their, their other people grow. But I've had kid, uh, youth teenagers come through it a few times and, you know, and I've had some adults come through it and they're, you know, they're down. They're just like, all right, let's do this again. And I, you know, adjust certain things. But, and there's always like some changes, like you said, I've had one, I remember one woman in a, the jail, like she was clam tight. She did not want to talk, but she showed up every day. Like she showed up every time we had class it was like super, just was not ready to let down her guard at all. And then the second time I came back again, like six months later and she was so happy. She's like, I'm so glad you're back. And she was just down and she was participating in everything. And it was like, you know, it's like, I won't always see. And like, I think about that when I see the light bulb go off, there were a lot of teachers before me. There were a lot of, there was family members that helped these guys and women. Um, they, there were teachers along the way that, that planted the seeds for me to be able to do what I'm doing. You know, there was, there was unconditional love in their life or there is so that they are able to feel supported in a classroom that, like with me. So I often get these, get to see the light bulbs go off, but I definitely in my mind and heart, like pay respect to the teachers before me who helped get them to that point. I just get to see it. So at the same token, when I don't see the light bulb go off as much, or there is like resistance, I just think there'll, there'll be another teacher that will get to them and it will resonate because they've heard some of it already. That's super humbling because you're seeing yourself. It's bigger than you. It's like way big. Obviously it's everything's bigger than you, but as a teacher to understand that even if I'm not the one turning on the light, I'm like getting it one, like that much closer to having a breakthrough farther down the line. And then the question that like just continues to resonate in my mind is long-term, what are the effects? What are the impacts? I know that you've only been, doing this type of work for a short amount of time, as far as like thinking about long-term impacts, but what have you seen thus far with that you've heard, you know, I'm sure the CEOs and the people are like, Hey, you worked with such and such student and thank you for working with Jessica. Her attitude is 180 and we can't say that we owe it to anything other than her experience with agitated to elevated. I've had that. I've had some CEOs tell me, um, like the kids that you work with are, are way more calm when they come back into their cottages where they're staying that they're just, they don't blow their lid off nearly as quickly. I've had teachers, the teachers, the vocation, you know, the teachers in the facilities just say like their participation is better. They're more patient. They're more chill. I've had, now I'm getting to the point where I'm getting feedback from three and a half years ago or so when I was at the jail where there's adults that will find me and say like that class helped me tremendously, which is that's, that is some cool stuff of like. When you say find you, you mean like they track you down on IG or Facebook (laughs) and they say, Hey Leah, thank you so much for what you did it. Yeah. What are the, what are those conversations like? Um, somebody reached out to me from my very first class who it was cool. Cause like the the people that have reached out to me and I see, I'm like, I remember I saw that in you. Like I saw that in you. It just was, it was, it wasn't happening right now, but I could see it, you know, the potential. And so somebody reached out to me and was like, Hey, I, I was in your class in 2017 and I am now like, I just bought a forever home. I'm, I manage, I'm a chef and manage at a, um, a deli like shop restaurant that has been able to survive the pandemic. And he helped be a liaison for the community and the authorities within the community during a Black Lives Matter protest. He helped make a Black Lives Matter protest happen in his town. And he was like, without that class that you gave us, I don't think he said I would be able to have the courage to do that or the awareness that I could actually help in that situation. And was that Facebook, Instagram? How was that? That was on Instagram. So does Agitated, excuse me, does Agitated to Elevated have its own Instagram? No, but now I realize it probably should. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that note, because um, I, I think people are going to want to reach out to you maybe to ask you questions about this, because I think the other part of this is that it's super beneficial for anybody. Obviously, 
if you are in the situation that these younger kids find themselves in, and I know that you're now starting to work with the more general prison population and adults, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. but where can people find you? Is website, uh, Facebook? Yep. All of it. Instagram, my, my, um, you can just do Leah Gooch, but it is the, t- the, uh, name is four men a day, F O U R men as in minutes a day. And then my website is, that's Instagram. My website is fourminutesaday.org, spelled out F-O-U-R, minutesaday.org, because I started meditating for four minutes a day for two weeks and it changed my life. Right. So, I, rem- I remember this. I remember the beginning of that process. Yeah. I remember we were at a restaurant in like Oakland. I know. Talking about it was, that was 2017 for Luz Maya's birthday in August yeah. of 2017. That's amazing. You're right. It's three years ago. I remember saying the restaurant. You were like, you need to do this. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. (laughs) I I remember that restaurant because they had high booths. And then on the way out, they were playing salsa. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And we were like, should we stay or like? We were super tired. (laughs) You and I are still like jet lagged and we had eaten a lot and we like left. But yeah, I remember that. So, okay. For F-O-U-R-M-I-N. A D A Y on Instagram. Yep. Four minutes a day spelt out exactly as you would. Dot org is the website. And then on Facebook? Leah Gooch. Leah Gooch. That's it. Yeah. L E A H Gooch G O O C H. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reach out if you have questions. My website, I'm almost there. I have about 115 meditations, like guided meditations that I've done that are all accessible right now. They're not all the way up yet, just because I'm finishing up some stuff, but um that will be available soon by the end of the week. Yeah. And if someone who wants to hop out, cause I know I'm on the email list. So I get all your meditations into my inbox, which are great because mm-hmm. they're yeah. really quick. They're super simple. They're quick. You can get a lot of value from them. Cause sometimes I think people think of meditation like, Oh, I don't have time. Right. The adage, I don't have time has stopped like civilizations from forming, I think. And yeah. so if someone wants to be added to that email list, should they just find you on any one of those platforms? Yeah, and I'm, I was taking a break for a little bit so I can upload all these meditations because now I have like 118 of them, but I'm going to start doing them again once a week so they can just reach out to me and get on that list. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Those are, there's just so much value from being on that email list, so please reach out. Leah, thank you so much for joining us and I hope you have a good rest of your week. Thank you so much, Jared. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out our Instagram and Facebook pages to see a video of Leah reading a poem that was inspired by one of her first agitated to elevated students. We can be found on Instagram and Facebook at Wi-Fi and Water Podcast. Also, reach out if you want to be a guest or if you have an idea for a future episode. And if you're listening to this on your smartphone, whether it's Google, Spotify, or Apple, go ahead, subscribe, and then leave a review. This just makes it easier for other people to find Wi-Fi and Water. Thanks a bunch, and we'll see you next time.